Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Kaylee chats with Rachel, a brave mom who embarked on her Portuguese adventure while 20 weeks pregnant with kid number three. Hear all about her family's move, adapting with kids, and birthing experience in Porto's public hospital. An episode filled with courage and family love. Kaylee. Hi, Josh. Hey, Dan. Hi, Dan. What have you been up to this week? Things are going pretty well here. Saw a soccer game with the family this weekend. Woohoo! Chicago Fire Football Club, my nephew's first pro game. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we actually just renewed our season tickets at FC Porto, and Sia is now of age to, uh, to go watch the games with us. Right. So in Portugal, they have a law that kids under three are not allowed in the stadium. So when she turned three in January, she could start going and she already had a card and they're transferable. They make that quite easy in Porto, at least. So she went to a few games, still not loving sitting still, but working on it. Yeah, I think she gets excited going to the game. But then actually when the game starts, she, uh, you know, still is a little unsure about how to watch a soccer match. <laughs> okay, she gets bored easily. She watches for a little bit, she cheers, and then she's over and ready to do something else. Uh, the same thing still happens to me at a Cubs game. So what's new in Porto this week? Actually, we've been in Braga a lot this week, Ooh, funny nice. enough. So we're shooting a lot of content for some Braga stuff that we have going on. So I think we've been there, what, three times in the past week and a half or so? Yeah, probably yeah, three times in about the past 10 days. Wow. And it's been a lot of fun, actually. We've uh, explored new ways of getting to Braga. We feel like the bus is the best way 
value for money, right? It's right, the best yeah. way for sure. Yeah, actually, all three times were different routes. Train, driving with a friend, and bus. I mean, obviously, driving is very easy, but only if you have access to a car. And yeah. we have a great friend who loves to get about and have a little bit of an adventure. So he drove us one of the times, but then I think the bus was better than the train. Shout out to John. Thanks for driving us, John. Yeah, thank you, listening. John. Yeah, yeah John. Uh, yeah, I think bus is way better than the train. Really, the balance is what are the train times versus the bus times, right? And, like, like, are the times convenient for you? And taking into account possible traffic. So if you can leave at times that aren't going to be high traffic for, you know, weekday stuff, then you'll be fine. Pricing, though, and direct, and it's fast. It's about, it's about the same in terms of price, but it's much faster on the bus. Yeah. Wow. About 30 minutes faster, actually. And I like where it drops you off in Braga on the bus. It's really close to the market, which is nice. Cool. So, I mean, lots going on in Porto, too, but also in Braga. <laughs> Braga's <laughs> clearly on our mind because we've been there a lot. Yeah, that's right. Very nice. Now, on that note, Kaylee, you spoke with Rachel recently. Her move to Porto sounds like quite an adventure. Yes, she has a very interesting story because she has moved with her family. It's a family of five now, but when they moved, she was pregnant and kind of not, I mean, like middle range pregnant. So, you know, not like two months, but not nine months either, about six months or so. And uh, they decided to move. So she had to figure out the whole medical system a little faster than she had planned. So, yeah, very uh, adventurous, I'd say, moving with a with a family of little ones and pregnant. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> yeah, no adventure doubt. in and of itself trying to move with a baby in body. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. And honestly, that was one thing that Josh and I had considered when we were moving from Singapore to Portugal and then yeah. found out we were pregnant. It was like, should we come to Portugal when I was around six months pregnant? And we decided against it. I thought, mm. I don't want to have to figure all the medical stuff out in mm-hmm. case something happens. And, uh, you know, Rachel, they did it anyway. And then she had to figure that stuff out really quickly. But a great family. Yep. They've adapted really well. Now three kids under the age of five. So, uh, yeah, living in Porto like that, living in the center of Porto as well. Pretty, yeah. Pretty central. And you know, they're a family that we met. I can actually remember when we met them. Uh, last year, around this time, we it was like May, actually, uh, we were having a meetup at Duarte's Comida de Rua, <laughs> which is near Trinidad Station in Porto. It's a good one. Um, yeah, but we, we met them and they were a young family, pretty close in age to us. So it was like, oh, okay, some young blood. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they, they, working, def- they definitely yeah. stuck out working. Mm-hmm. Well, he uh, works. Ra- yeah, he Rachel works. wasn't working, but yeah, he, um, he was working. So Chris is his name. And um, yeah, they just kind of stuck out to us. And, and over time, we've gotten to know them better. So it's cool. And nice. their kids, their oldest is Fox, and he's a little older than Sia. And then Zoe's next, and she's a little younger than Sia. And then Jonah was the one who came later on. So um, Sia likes playing with Zoe and Fox. They they get along really well. So fun family. That's awesome. Yeah, it must take a lot of courage to move internationally with a family and a baby on the way. Josh, what can you tell us about preparation for a move like that? How would he know? Okay, well, (laughs) to be fair, fair, I would say that uh, Kaylee would definitely take care of the preparation stuff when it comes to that. But, I mean, you know, things that one would need to think about would be, you know, what is the medical system like? How are the hospitals and whatnot where I'm moving to? I think this is where moving to 
some of the bigger cities might be more advantageous, uh, at least from the start, um, because they seem to be more well equipped, um, both with hospitals, but also with staff. So that would be one of the main things. And then, you know, looking into, you know, financial matters could also be a, a good idea. And then probably the most thing in terms of financial matters, the most important thing would be the housing side of things. Because if you're a family that's expanding and, and you're looking for a larger place, uh, that can sometimes mean that you're going to be paying uh, more in rent. Um, so you do need to figure out a place to, to move to that will fit the size of your family. I will say that, you know, you tend to see on the rental market, like your studios, your one bedrooms or T1s and your T2s, the two bedrooms, uh, tend to be the more expensive things in terms of like price per square meter on the rental side. Once you get like into the the three bedroom or T3 range or larger, then you tend to find a little more value for money, maybe because there's less demand on those things. Yeah. And All of right. course, Rachel and I chat more about just baby things. I mean, the baby stuff was fun and finding out about medical things with delivery was a lot of fun. But we do talk about some other things because they've jumped right in and, and gotten to know the area very well. So it was it was fun to chat with her about stuff. Very cool. And listener, if you have any questions that you want to throw our way that maybe we can include in these welcomes, write us at podcast at expatsedware.com and we'll try to get those questions answered for you on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Well, stay tuned for more on Rachel's family adventure in Porto right after this short break. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers 
visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, so how long have you been in Portugal? Oh, gosh, I think like a year and a half, just a, a little half. over a year. And you moved when you were pregnant, right? Yeah, I was about 20 weeks pregnant when we moved. It was not a fun flight. <laughs> okay, so why did you guys move when you did? Because it's a family, you're a family of five now, but you already had two other kids. So what, what was the timing in your minds? Like, why was it a good timing to move? Well, we thought the visa process would take a lot longer. <laughs> um, we didn't think it would go as fast as it would, but we uh, applied for our D7 visa. And within a month, we got it back. And we were like, oh my gosh, wow, okay. We might well, as well just pack up and leave. There's going to be some sure. really jealous people listening to this because a month, some people wait so much longer. So let's talk about your visa process. So you did the D7, but it was before the D8 came out. Uh, I believe so, yes. Right, a little bit before because, you know, because you could do it with a working contract, right? Your husband works remotely? Yes, yes, he does, yeah. Okay, so you did the D7, which is now split to the D8, uh, you know, just because of passive and active income. But either way, mm-hmm. that's how you got in is living off of individual revenue. So you went through the visa process, and where did you move from? We moved from Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, do you remember what the visa process was like, like uh, applying and everything? Oh, gosh. So we used a company called Border, and they helped us get our NIF and um, open a bank account. So that kind of helped with the process a lot. But filling out the paperwork is kind of tedious. I mostly let Chris do that just because I hate paperwork. But I just remember it was a long process. And I was like, this is dumb. It's going to take forever. We're never going to move. But once we got the paperwork done and Border was like, just send us the stuff we need, which I don't even remember what they needed. And then we did a Zoom call with some lady in a Portuguese bank to so she could physically see us sign paperwork for our bank account. Everything moved really quickly. Okay. Yeah. Border's a great company yeah. and we recommend them. Yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes for those who would like to to use Border for your NIF and your bank account. They're a good company. Okay. So you went through them and then you did everything else on your own or did you use another company to help process like paperwork and such? We did everything else on our own. We had some friends here already, so they kind of walked us through some of the process, but they were they were kind of helpful, but it was mostly just Chris and I figuring out what to do and what we needed. And the proper paperwork and everything. Yeah, we didn't use any other company for anything else. We just we didn't even use a lawyer, which I hear some people use lawyers to help along the process, but we didn't do that. Mhm. And then what jurisdiction were you in? Where did you send your stuff to? Oh, man. Um, I think it was D.C. I think yeah. it was Washington, D.C. Yeah. So at that point, you could still you could still do the mail-ins because right now they've temporarily suspended the mail-ins and mm-hmm. even the D.C. VFS office, they're requiring in-person appointments, which is a bit of a bummer for a lot of people because that would be far, right? Could you imagine if your whole family, you were pregnant oh, gosh, and then no. you have two little kids and you don't have to go for an in-person to D.C.? Would you have still done it, yeah, that, you think? We would have still done it. Yeah, we would have still done it. We were determined to get here, so we would have done anything to get here. 
Why were you so determined to get here? We just, okay, so we had watched your YouTube videos beforehand, and we had watched Stay Classy, their YouTube videos. Uh And we were like, wow, Portugal is beautiful. It just, everything looks so beautiful. We just want to get there. The weather is nice. We had been looking at the weather on weather apps. And we were like, it's so beautiful. It's nice. Um, From what we've heard, the people are very inviting. So we're like, we got to get there. We got to go. Like, there's really nothing holding us back. Let's go. So we were, I know it seems crazy to like be that determined when you're pregnant with two little kids. But I was like, nope, let's do this. It's a once in a lifetime chance. Let's go. So you had never visited Portugal? No, we hadn't. Neither one of us had set foot in Europe before. We were like, we've seen videos. We know we like it just from the videos. Let's go. We don't want to even want to see it before we go. Had you considered any other country or just always Portugal? Uh, We considered Switzerland for like a very short time, but we wanted to go to an EU country to get EU citizenship if we could. That was our main goal. Okay. And why, why was that a main goal of yours? It's easier to move around. Um, We heard if we decided maybe after six years, Portugal wasn't it for us, we could try another EU country, but we really like Portugal. So we plan to stay here for the long term. Okay. But maybe in the future, if we decide to move, like it'd be easier to move because we'd have EU citizenship to fall back on. Yeah, definitely. What's been the hardest thing to adapt to being in Portugal? Oh gosh, probably the medical system. That's been that's been like the biggest like thing to adapt to. I'm not used to it the way they do things here. Yeah, and you've had a lot of experience with that cuz if you want to explain yes. to our listener going into labor a bit early, you want oh, to gosh, talk yeah. about that. <laughs> Yeah, our youngest, who is now nine months, was he came a month and a half early, which was not planned at all. But we went through the public hospital here in Porto, Zao Joao, and they were really great. There was just happened to be a girl working who worked in Canada, so she could translate for me, which was okay. really helpful. But honestly, the public hospitals, they, they're not as scary as I thought they were going to be. They know what they're doing. They're well-trained. They get, they're efficient. They're slow, but they are efficient. Okay. So something that I think a lot of people don't consider when they move is, so you had an emergency situation in a sense. You also have two kids. So did your husband and the kids go to the hospital with you or did you have anyone here to watch the kids so your husband could go or what happened there? Um, So I went into labor about 3 a.m. in the morning. So Chris, uh, my husband, stayed home with the kids. And then around 7 o'clock, he dropped our oldest off at school. And some friends came and picked up Zoe. And he came to the hospital around 11 a.m. to see me. Okay. So we didn't have, we were supposed to have a grandma come. She was going to be here so Chris could be with me at the hospital and baby was born. But it did not happen like that. So we didn't have anyone. So we just kind of adapted and worked with it. Yeah, just kind of roll with the punches, right? All you could do. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So then, <laughs> do you have a baby there right now? <laughs> yes. She's supposed to be napping. <laughs> and how old is she? Zoe is two, two and a half. Two, two. She's our middle baby. <laughs> okay. So then, Chris came later to the hospital. Was the baby born by the time he came, or what was like the process yes. like? Okay. 
so I went to the hospital. I went into the emergency room and I was like, I don't know Portuguese very well, but I'm in labor. And the front desk lady was kind of annoyed that I didn't know Portuguese, but I was like, you know what, whatever, I don't care. So she got someone from maternity. They brought a wheelchair down and they wheeled me back up to maternity. They hooked me up to like, they hooked me up to check my contractions. And they're like, yep, you're definitely in labor. They did a quick ultrasound. Baby was still breech. So they were like, okay, we're going to start prepping you for a C-section. I was like, oh goodness, okay, (laughs) this is scary. And since I think it was an emergency C-section and they didn't have time to do what they normally do, like a spinal block or anything, they had to put me all the way under, Mm. which was a little nerve wracking, but it worked out fine. Baby was born. He was fine. I woke up (laughs) from anesthesia and I think an hour after I woke up, they uh, took me to like uh, the mother's unit to like recover. Okay. And then he was in the NICU because he was so early. Yeah, he was in the NICU just hanging out, being taken care of by nurses. And how long did he have to stay in the hospital? Oh, he was there for about a month and a half. Okay, what was that process like? So uh, I was still in the hospital. I had to get a nurse every time to take me down to the NICU to see him. And then whenever I was ready to leave the NICU, which could be whenever I had to tell them and they had to get a nurse to take me back (laughs) to my room. But once I was checked out, you could go... The NICU was basically open 24 hours a day, so you could go whenever you wanted, stay as long as you wanted. They didn't really care. So I was there basically all the time. Yeah. But the nurses were great, even if they didn't speak English, because there's just a few who didn't. We still could figure stuff out. We still got we still got across what we needed to for each other. Okay. So then navigating the medical system after with, you know, yourself and three kids and you're recovering um, and then obviously NICU stuff, do you think that you can get by without English or, I mean, do you think you can get by without Portuguese or is a kind of a good command of Portuguese better for the medical system? You can get by, but it's very difficult. It's nice to know just a little bit, at least, like, basic Portuguese. It's good to know that. But, like, because we had only been here in about nine months when he was born, so I still didn't know very much. But but everyone was so helpful. They would teach me words. They would help me, even if they were, like, like, just using your hands and communicating that way got a lot across. It It was difficult, but we made it. Okay, so still with the language as, barrier, people were they, yeah. they were quite nice about it. Yeah, they, there was no one rude about it, except maybe like some really old nurses, like, <laughs> but I didn't see too many of those. Okay. All right, well, I think a burning question that a lot of our listeners will have is, your baby was born in Portugal, so did he automatically get Portuguese citizenship, or <laughs> what was that like? Does he get an American passport, and then you get his visa, or what's that process? So technically, we should have been here a year before he was born for him to get citizenship. But the day we went to register his birth, I guess the lady was feeling very generous. And she was like, do you want him to be a citizen? And we were like, yes. So he got to be a citizen, even though he technically probably shouldn't be. He is a Portuguese citizen. We are still filling out paperwork for him to be a U.S. citizen. So he has his Portuguese passport 
So he's 100% Portuguese right now. The U.S. government doesn't even know he exists yet. <laughs> they will eventually know. We're just the paperwork for that is also insane. Okay, what's that but, process yeah. like? You have to do a lot of paperwork, and does he have to go in person to the Lisbon embassy yeah, or the embassy in Lisbon? Of, yeah, we have a lot of paperwork to fill out. You have to prove that you were that you were you you lived in the U.S. at one point. Like they want picture proof i think so we have to find pictures of us in the u.s which is not that hard to do and then we have to make an appointment which they're really backed up right now we have to make an appointment sometime to go to the lisbon american embassy to uh sign paperwork and he'll officially be a citizen of the u.s that's interesting that you have to show picture proof that you live there that your u.s passports wouldn't be good enough i know it's 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 kind of insane but we're doing it because we'd like him to have U.S. citizenship as well. Yeah, definitely. So the fact that he has a Portuguese passport, does that help you guys out at all? Or no, you still have to go the same route that you had initially planned? I've heard you can apply for Portuguese citizenship through a family member, but I don't know if that applies to like a baby. Like if I could be like, I'm the mother, can I apply for citizenship here? We haven't gone that route. We haven't talked about it. But I've heard you can. We just haven't done it. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead. It makes it easier for him to travel because he's already an EU citizen. So he can, I hear at the airports, they have special lines for EU citizens compared to like foreigners. Mm -hmm. So we can just go through that and miss customs. So you'll just go through with him. And even though you guys don't have your EU passport, you'll be like, he does though. So you're good. (laughs) Let us in. The baby does. (laughs) I've heard it's okay, so we'll try it at least once. And if it's not, we know it's not okay. Yeah, try it out and see. And if not, then you'll just have to yeah. wait till you guys get your citizenship, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit and talk about things that you like and don't like about living in Porto. <laughs> let's start with things you don't like. What is something that is like, oh, this bugs me so much? <laughs> It sounds so silly and ridiculous, but how not on time the buses are. (laughs) Okay, public transportation. (laughs) Metro, the metro is on time. It is on time. It's on a schedule. The buses, they could be thirty minutes or ten minutes early. There's no. I don't like how slow things are when it comes to the government, like Seth and stuff. Like they can take as long as they want, and they don't care about anything and i'm just like i'm on a time schedule let's hurry <laughs> very american of me to be like uh-huh. i'm on a time schedule let's get this done but i'm learning it's okay if they take their time yeah but have you used the, things are sometimes have you used the the baby perks because you know like in grocery stores or in lines if you have a little baby then you are technically are allowed to skip the line so have you used that <laughs> Yes, we use that quite often. Yeah. We were we were at Premark the other day just buying some extra clothes for my oldest son and this lady saw that we had a little baby and a two year old and she's like, Oh my gosh, do you just wanna come right up to this register? And I was like, Yes I do. I don't wanna wait in this long line, thank you. And people will let me cut in line at the grocery store all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, look at this cute little baby. Go ahead. Go in front of me. You have like 20 things. I don't even care. Go ahead. It's great. I love it. It's It's a really nice perk. (laughs) People, even on public transportation, people will help me lift the stroller onto the bus if I need it. Or they'll hold the doors open for me, which 
in the States, I never really got that. People are just like passing you by, not even registering you have a small child. So I really so, like that they like are family friendly here. Yeah. Um, very family friendly. And it seems like all ages are, right? You see eight, all ages and and what always blew my mind was that even like uh, younger, you know, teenage boys who I think they they have their own thing going on. But I would find it so cute that you'd walk by and they would just kind of wave at, at Valencia in the stroller, oh, yes. like just aware that she's there, you know. And I thought, how cute is that? Oh, yeah. I see that all the time. Even today. So my daughter Zoe and I, we went – we had to go run an errand. So we were on the metro and she was watching this older girl. She was probably like eight. And this little girl gave her one of her cookies. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the sweetest thing ever. Thank you. Oh, that is really sweet. Yeah. Well, I remember one really big perk that I had is when I had to go get my driver's license exchange here uh, in Portugal when you still had to do that. Now they've become a bit more lenient. But when we had to do that, um, you know, it's like the DMV in the U.S. It's there's like a lot of people. There's a lot of appointments <laughs> and lines. And I was like, I'm taking Valencia so I can skip the line and go into priority. And it was so clutch because I had yes. there was like one person in front of me compared to all these other people who had been waiting for what looked like forever. So I was very grateful that they that they have that and then they honor it. You know, because some places I think have it or it might be a law, but they they don't. No one really follows it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely use my kids to skip lines and places like that. <laughs> Sounds awful, but yeah, I mean, no one wants a crying baby just sitting there forever. Uh, yeah. So you don't, they don't. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice. Okay, so well, we've kind of already shifted. Then we were talking about things that were, you know, annoying or things you didn't like about Porto, and then on to things that you do like. Obviously, you know, you like that it's family friendly. What are some other mm-hmm. great perks about being in Portugal? I'm kind of a coffee snob, so I really like how cheap it is to just buy an espresso. It's like anywhere from 75 cents to 80 cents. In the touristy areas, it might be a euro, a euro 20, but it is still so cheap to like just buy an espresso coffee. I do like that. Mm-hmm. And you like Even the flavor? Going, I do, I do. I put just a tiny bit of sugar in, just a tiny bit. I haven't got quite into the whole Portuguese no sugar thing. So just a little bit of sugar, and I'm like, I'm good to go. I could drink 20 of these in a day. I don't, but I could. <laughs> okay. But what would happen if you drink 20 of them? I probably would not sleep at all for like yeah. two days. Maybe, <laughs> two days, maybe, right, yeah. yeah. I also like yeah. there's bakeries on every corner. I love that. And it's also cheap to just get like bread and butter, like if that's all you want. It's so cheap. What are some top bakery items you like to get? Oh man, that's hard. <laughs> um, the brigadeiros, the little oh, yeah. chocolate balls. I think they're Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love those. Uh, the bolo de arroz. We like those a lot. Tosta mista, even though that's not really like bakery item, we like those for like quick lunches. Yeah, because you can get those at like any cafe, and they're really mm-hmm. hard to mess up anyway, right? You know, it's just ham, cheese, yeah. and bread. That's a good one. <laughs> Um, if it's a fancier place, we do like to try, like, if they have, like, a, a cheesecake of the day. Like, it just depends if what they have, like, is of the day. We'll get that usually. Yeah. So, I mean, the bakeries are pretty different compared to U.S. types sweets and desserts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. They're definitely not as sugary, which is nice. Okay. Do you like, do you like not- here better or – for the most part, yes, but I do miss like a good American cookie. Yeah. 
I do miss like how soft and how soft they can be or like maybe just a little crunchy. They don't make them the same here. But yeah. otherwise, we really like everything here. They, uh, there's this place that has opened up in kind of like really central area set of Freita that is called American Bites. And they have American style desserts. So oh, you yes. have like the brownies there. They've got a brookie, so the brownie cookie. Um, mm-hmm. They've got cheesecakes. And so it's definitely more American style. Obviously, you know, they're, they have more sugar in them. Oh, yes. And so more calories and a little more expensive, obviously, than if, you know, go to one of these little bakeries that you see everywhere uh, around Porto and Portugal. But um, sometimes it's good when you're when you're really wanting something specific like that, like a good brownie. They're a good place to mm-hmm. go to. Yeah, we have tried that once and it was we had to share a brownie because we couldn't finish it because we're just oh. not used to the sugar anymore. Oh, and they're big too, right? Oh, and the cinnamon rolls. Oh, they've got these big cinnamon rolls that are really good. Oh. I think we, the three of us share it though because it is like it is they're big and they're very sugary but yeah it's definitely something you don't want to get all the time but oh, i yes. think yeah. i think the owners are american so they i mean okay. i think i think i read somewhere that the lady likes to bake so i don't okay. so that's kind of how it all started because it's obviously a different style of bakery and baked goods than than the normal portuguese type they use a lot of eggs in in uh Portugal, right? The bakery stuff has oh, a lot more of like yes. the cream, right? The nata. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. The pastel de natas. My two-year-old could eat those all day, every day if I let her. Now, does she eat the crust or does she just lick out the middle? No, she eats the whole thing. She'll <laughs> okay. eat the whole thing. Because sometimes Sia will, uh, sometimes Sia, it depends on what mood she's in. Sometimes she'll just lick out the middle and, and be like, uh, maybe one little bite of the crust, but other times she'll devour it. Maybe it depends on where oh. we get it too. I don't know if she's being picky about that. Do you have a favorite place that you get? Oh, or uh, Not a sweet nada. That's one of our favorites. It's a good one. Yeah. The little bakery on the way to my son's school, they have really good pasta donadas. Fabrica, yeah. I think, by mm-hmm. Bolao, they have really good ones. I mean, I think they're like one of the top rated here in Porto, at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, we go there a lot. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. How have you found shopping here? Like shopping for yourself and shopping for the kids? Uh, is it similar to the U.S. or is it more difficult to find things? Baby items are more expensive, I found. Just like your everyday baby items just seem more expensive. Like a, we paid 400 euros for a crib. We probably could have got it at a secondhand place or on Facebook Marketplace, but we just did not have time. Yeah. We ran out of time. Um, and bottles, they seem more expensive, I think. Formula, I don't think is as expensive, but... But baby items are more expensive. I have found clothing is we mostly buy from Primark or Lefties or Zippy, which it seems to be about the same price, if not a little cheaper. But I think it's like comparable to the U.S. I haven't done much shopping for myself just because I really hate trying on clothes. Mm. But I did recently go clothes shopping and I found some things that fit really well and they were a pretty decent price. Like, I think it was pretty comparable to, like, the state. So that was kind of nice. Okay. So not so bad. Now, earlier yeah. you were talking about traveling and what immigration would look like. Have you guys been able to travel yet as a family? Or you've just been, since you've moved to Portugal, you're, you've just been here? We have Vergranza for a staff appointment. So we got to look around there a little bit. 
Um, we've been, we just did like a day trip to Sintra and Lisbon and Kashkaish and Nazare. So we did that like for a weekend trip. So we got to see the beach where like, we went to the beach in Nazare for a while. And then we went to Lisbon. We, we rented a car. So we like could not find a place to park. So we just drove around Lisbon. But we were in Sintra and we found that to be very, that was very cool. We enjoyed that a lot as a family, even my kids. What did you enjoy so much about it? Zoe, my two-year-old, she loves to like climb on things. So going to the castles was great because they don't tell you not to climb on things here. So she was like having a free-for-all climbing, doing gymnastics, being crazy. And my four-year-old fox, he loves to just explore and find bugs. So he was having a really great time in nature there. Okay. So more of the nature stuff, especially compared yeah. to living in Porto city life, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. so you've checked out a lot of different places around Portugal. And since you moved here sight unseen, you landed in Porto. Do you still like Porto as where you're living? Or because you've checked out other places, some other places caught your eye. And if they caught your eye, why? Oh, no. We still love Porto. We love Porto. It's like it has a that big city feel we like, but it's also like a small town feel as well at the same time. I don't think we would probably move anyplace else <laughs> just because we, we like being close to the beach, which I know you can get that other places in Portugal, but we really like it here. We like how easy it is to access the metro or buses or trains if we want to. The weather here in Porto is really nice. It doesn't get too hot in the summer, except for maybe a few days or a few weeks. Yeah, we like Porto a lot. I don't think we'd move from Porto anywhere else in Portugal. Maybe like farther up in the Pova area. We've thought about that a little bit, but we're not sold on it. We're not sold on that. Why are you not sold on that? It felt far away from like downtown Porto, which we really like. Even if we don't live downtown, it's much easier to get to downtown from where we live. And if we lived in Pova, it would be like an hour metro ride just to get to the city center, Yeah, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, that's exactly how we feel because some people are like, why are you buying You know, right in the center of Porto? It's so expensive. But it's like, but we like being in the center of Porto. Mm-hmm. Like, We understand yeah. that, of course, you can take the metro and it's well-connected, which is nice, by metro. Yes. But yeah, you're sitting on there for 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And so if you want to come into Porto, it's it's a thing, right? It's a trek at that mm-hmm. point. So it's like, yeah. we want to live in Porto. But they do yeah, have some good get- outlet malls out there. That's true. They do. Yes. I do like the outlet mall because they have a lint store, like the lint chocolate store. And I'm a big fan of that. Like, forget the forget the cheaper clothes. I just want chocolate. <gasps> okay. So you have to go and stock up. But that's totally worth yes. taking the 45-minute trek just to go shopping as opposed to having to do it every single time you want to come in and yes. do something in yeah. Porto, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because the metros, you know, they don't run 24-7. So even if you were to come into Porto mm-hmm. to do something, you know, late, then you have to be mindful of the time. To, yeah, to and go we don't back have a car, show. so we'd be stuck. We'd have to like get a hotel if we could. Oh, yeah, which there are a lot of hotels yeah. around, but that's just a yeah. pain in and of itself. But okay, so let's yeah. talk about that. I think some people might be like, what? You have a family of five, you have kids, and you don't have a car? So how do you maintain things without a car, and, and have you thought about getting one? We have talked about getting one, but we'd have to like move out into the country to get a car. Like We'd have to be farther away from the city. Um, for now, we just walk everywhere, basically, because we live – we live less than a mile from a mall. 
So we just walk to the grocery store that's in the mall and do our grocery shopping there. My son's school is within walking distance. So we just walk him to school. We are so close to the metro that we take the metro. Like for doctor's appointments, we jump on the metro to go to the hospital. It's like we we don't miss having a car. We don't miss it. If we need a car, we rent it. But that's only like if we're going like on a road trip to like Lisbon or something. Otherwise, even with three kids, we're like, we don't need a car. We're fine. The metro is great. Buses are great. We get around just fine. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's how we feel as well. Like we can definitely do things in Porto without a car. And yeah, if we wanted Mm -hmm. to go somewhere, we can rent one for vacation or, you know, little getaway or something. I think it's cheaper to rent a car here than it is in the States. I mean, it's cheaper to rent like a stick shift than it is yes. like an automatic car. And that's my husband can drive a stick shift, so that's nice. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper than uh, getting an automatic. So since he knows oh, yeah. how to do that, that that definitely it's, helps. It is. We did have trouble the first time we rented a car. <laughs> we didn't know the difference between the diesel and the gasoline because they're like so close in like pronunciation and spelling we had to ask the person working at the gas station like which one do we put in the car because we don't know Mm -hmm. and we figured out so we didn't have to pay to like get the car fixed because we put the wrong gasoline in yeah that's a good tip good to know because some of the regular cars that you rent use diesel which i don't think is Mm -hmm. as common in the states but yeah but even still like sometimes they have like a little sticker of what should go in there but it it can be confusing Mm -hmm. so definitely good to ask we definitely have to google when we go on road trips, which one is the diesel and which one is the gasoline? Yeah. <laughs> one day we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, if you don't do it very often either. And the cars yeah. are different too. And right now it's, too, yeah. there's some that you can get like hybrids or you can even mm-hmm. rent an electric car. So figuring out that though, we thought about doing that once, but then it was like, we don't really know where charging stations are. And yeah, and we were driving yes. down to Algarve. So it was like, oh, that's kind of far. That's cutting it close. So it's like, great idea but I, I don't know how that works just quite yet so maybe not <laughs> yeah I've seen very few charging stations when we drive like on a long road trip I'm just like oh gosh like good thing we didn't get like a electric car yeah yeah unless you know it's hard to hard to tell well Rachel we believe at expats everywhere that living abroad transforms lives so how has living abroad transformed your life it has definitely opened my eyes to how other people live because for 27 years I lived in America and I feel like I'm that stereotypical American who like is just like everything revolves around America so moving here has opened my eyes to see how other people live and like it's given me like um compassion to see how like maybe not so well-off people live like helping those people it's definitely and even just it's definitely given me compassion for people who learn a different language because I know some days I look like a complete idiot just trying to speak to the lady at the bakery asking for coffee and a snack for my child but they are so kind and willing to help which like it makes me want to be kind and willing to help if someone doesn't know English very well so that's given me it's given me a heart of compassion for people Oh, that's so sweet and so true with the language, but that's great. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun.
So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 